Um, our Father in heaven, may the words of my mouth and every thought of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Listen, what a privilege it is um, to be with you this morning. And somebody look at somebody else and just make sure you got your mask on, but look at them and just tell them um, God knows what he's doing. I'm serious, he does. Um, and I want to express a, a special hello to, um, to all of you who spent the last couple of days in Dallas. Um, um, as Pastor Adam said, I really wasn't in the area. I was in Dallas. And, um, and refreshing our marriages uh, and our commitments to the Lord and to each other. What a huge um, um, thing it is to take the time, the money, the resources, and the effort uh, to refresh something so near and dear to, our, to, to God's heart as our marriages. And because y'all know that's important to him, right? Amen. Amen. Um, and, you know, if, in fact, if you were able to participate in whatever capacity, could you just stand for a second, even if you helped put it on, if you had anything to do with this marriage retreat in Grapevine this weekend, just stand up for a second, please. Now, everybody give them a hand. Amen. Give them a hand. And, and, and the hand really isn't for them because God wants to strengthen their marriage so they can come back and strengthen this church. Amen? That's what this is really all about. Now, um, you know, and, and we had people there, like I say, from California, Mississippi, you know, Maryland, Texas, all over the place. So that's what this is all about. And the reason we came from California was also to be there to refresh our marriage because I'll tell you that, that this woman that God gave me, she needed some refreshing. Amen? And, 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 and Melanie, why don't you say hello to everybody? <laughs> Amen? <laughs> but anyway, um, she really is truly the, uh, the yin to my yang, and I thank God for her. And, um, and I thank God for each one of you today. But we didn't tell Pastor, actually, that we were coming. Um, I, I, I got to tell you, I, I think that his little assistant, um, Sister White or Evans, wherever she is, I think she, we, we registered for the, for the retreat. And he heard that we were coming. And then he, um, have you guys ever been on one of the other, the other end of one of our pastor's phone calls uh, that, uh, hey, hey, Brother Al, let me ask you a question. And you know something's coming right there. But let me tell you, if, 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 if pastor, anything that he asked me to do, um, I'm either going to do it or I'm going to die trying to do it. Amen. Because he has meant the world to me in our walk with Christ. And I thank God for him. Um, but real quick, look again. Somebody else. Tell somebody God knows what he's doing. You know, I also want to say hello to all of you who I haven't seen since the pandemic. You know, we, we can't just, um, we can't take everything for granted that we're going to get to see each other again. Sister Henry, amen. It's good to see you. And I thank God for each of you and that he's kept you. And not only that he kept you with good health, but he kept you. He kept your spirit. He kept you strong. You didn't fall apart. Because there's been a lot of pressure. There's a lot going on. And I just thank God that each one of you are here with me today. And it's so good to see you. Amen. Well, listen, look, I will never forget. I mean, let me ask one more question before we get started. Um, how many of you have been at this church for over 
seven years, since maybe 2014 or so. Just, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Okay, that, that's, that's a fair amount. Then if you have, then, then you know that um, for, since 2014, you've heard me speak. I heard that um, EBC was about to embark upon um, a, a church-wide teaching on a multi-ethnic church. And you guys know how near and dear that is to my heart. In fact, those of you, again, raise your hand again. How many have been here since then? You probably thought that I really didn't preach about anything other than Haiti and white people. Because for the last few years, that's what you've heard me talking about. But it's really not those two things that I really spend my time talking about. It's really one. And it's really about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who died and rose. And that there is salvation in no other name. That's who I talk about and that's who we come to talk about today. And when you talk about him and when you get to meet him, then... Everything else, you'll find yourself talking about things that you didn't talk about before you knew it. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, and, 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 and to my excitement also, when I heard about the, the, the and, and I, you know, I follow along with what's going on here while we're in California. And, and um, I, I know that there's a move afoot because I can look out right now and I start to see faces that don't look exactly like mine. In 2014, that wasn't the case. I mean, 2014 and 15, when I started preaching these messages, that was even before, um, uh, that was even before Mr. JB, I believe. So there was nobody out there that looked other than me. People who looked a little different shade than me. But, we were all from the same hue. But something's going on. Amen. And what I'm so grateful about this morning is that it didn't start this year. It didn't start in 2020. It didn't even start in 2014 when I started talking about it. It's been going on since Acts chapter 2 and before. In fact, it's been going on since God created Adam and Eve. But God is opening our eyes. And that's why I'm so excited because he's bringing me up to speed with him. God is revealing these things to me. And then when he starts revealing to others and you start to see some fruit, you get a little excited. Where's my dancing buddy? Where's Dan? Oh, Dan's in San Francisco. Otherwise, we would cut a rug here. Y'all would ask Dan, uh, what, what, ask Dan and Jennifer what that means when he gets back. Okay, just save that for him. Scott will tell you a little bit, but ask him what that means. But I'm so thankful to be here, and I'm so thankful to be a part of what God is doing in this place. So this morning, we're going to speak briefly on the book of Acts. Now, I said briefly, but then I found out, and I'm so sorry, Jason and, and, and Kiara, that I, didn't, I, I don't understand the new way of doing things and the notes that you're trying to give out, and I gave you guys a bunch of stuff that you're probably looking and saying, how are we going to cover this in 50 minutes? But I'm sorry I'm not with the program, but somebody say, I forgive you, Pastor L. Somebody say it. 
Okay, so just roll with us, okay? Just roll with us a little, and we'll get there. You may think we can, but we will, because we're really going to speak from Acts chapter 8. So probably three pages of what you got is leading up to that. And so because I needed to go so fast, you needed some notes. So we, I, I gave you some, some cheat sheets. I gave you some notes. And, and we're going to get there. But before we do, I, I just want to, I just, I mean, because we're going to study from the book of Acts. So go ahead and start opening your Bible to the book of Acts. But before we get in there, we call it the book of Acts. Do you ever think about what, Acts what? Some, sometimes we call it the Acts of the Apostles. Some, um, that's what most Bibles call it, the Acts of the Apostles. But remember, Luke didn't really name the book when he wrote it. So that, even though that's what we call it, that personally, I don't think that's exactly the best name for it. You say, well, then what would be? I, I, I kind of like the Acts of the Holy Spirit. But then, see, if you say the apostles, and I'll tell you what, if you say the apostles, then it almost leaves everybody else out. And I want you to start looking at that book to see that Acts was not just about what the apostles did. And it was not even just about what God did through the apostles. In fact, I tell you what, I, I kind of like the Acts of the, you could call it the Acts of the early church. But you don't know, I, I got a better name. Let's call it, just for the day, you don't have to, let's call it the, the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the early church. How's that? That's what we're going to call it. But, but in the meantime, we're just going to, well, we're just going to call it Acts because I would never get through this if I said that every time. So we're just going to call it Acts, okay? But I want you to, the reason I went through that with you is because we're going to talk later about a fellow named Philip. And Philip was not an apostle. And we're going to talk a little bit about Stephen. And Stephen was not an apostle. So if you only look at that book and start to track the events of what the apostles did, you will miss what God is trying to say to you because no one in this room is an apostle. You know what an apostle? An apostle is someone who walked with Christ. That's what it was. None of us, I mean, we all walked spiritually with Christ, but the apostles walked physically and spiritually with him. The apostles were the Bible before they had a, before the church had a Bible. They weren't, remember, that's what Jesus meant when he told Peter that, you're right, Peter, I, you know, I am the son of the living God, and, 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 on, that, and on you I'm going to build my church. And a lot of times we say, well, what is he talking about? Is he talking about on Peter? Peter's not strong enough. He's talking about on the backs of the apostles, on the word that he's put in them, on that spirit that's going to start with them. He's going to build his church. Because when Jesus left, they didn't have Mark and Matthew, and John, and, and, they, and, they didn't, and Luke. They didn't have them. Well, they were there physically, but they didn't have the letters. They didn't have the books. So the apostles were the walking word of God. Just like when Jesus was here, he said, I'm here to do what I've seen my father do, and whatever he does, that's what I do. And if he doesn't do it, I'm not going to do it. That's what he expected of his apostles, and that's what he expected of his early church. Now, But if you think of Acts as only what the apostles did, then I'll, and none of us are apostles, then we start to divorce ourselves from the actual scripture, and it becomes a fairy tale and not reality. And if the scriptures aren't real to you, 
then Jesus can't be real to you. Because he is the word. And he is, the word is what he left. So we have to make certain that we connect with the word any way we can. So today, we're going to call Acts the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the early church. So having said this, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about Acts. I already told you we're going to talk about the first eight chapters, but um, we're going to go real quick through, because we got to get there. We got to get there. I can't, if I just start you in Acts chapter eight, then I'm going to lose you and you're not going to get everything that God has. But we got to go quick. Otherwise, we'll never get to chapter eight. And by the way, Sister Adams said when she saw my notes, she said, that's almost as bad as pastor's notes. I said, well, and I did. I took up for him and I said, no, it's not quite as bad. <laughs> but anyway, so we're going to get to Acts chapter eight to dig in. But before we get there, I want you to see how we got there. And a lot of the notes you'll remember. So, so, so Jason, work with me for a second. Let's put up, let's, let's remember what we know from Acts chapter 1. Look at verse, and we're going to, we, a lot of what you're going to see on the screen is going to be the scripture. Because you've got your notes in your hand. So we're going to spend some time looking at the scripture on there. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. And I want, I'm going I'm to cover a couple of pieces of scripture in Acts chapter 1. And then we're going to see, um, and, and, and we're going to see how we got to chapter 8. Listen to what Jesus said. Here's what Luke wrote. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set in his own authority. But look what he said in verse 8. But, everybody say but. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. Listen to what he just said. When the Holy Spirit comes, You'll be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and in the ends of the earth. The King James, you say the uttermost parts of the earth. Let's keep that in mind. What else happened in chapter 1 that you need to know? Look at verse 15 and 16. Well, so Jesus, so we, what we see is that in those days, Peter stood up among the believers in a group numbering about 120. Look at verse 16. And he said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which said the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago. See, he's still talking about the scripture. Look what he said. So Peter, when he stood up, he's talking about the scripture. He said, when the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. Let's bounce over to verse 23 um, and look at that. Because in verse 23 it says, so here's what they did. They nominated two men, Joseph called um, Brasabas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Look at the next verse. And they prayed. Somebody say they prayed. They say, Lord, you know everybody's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen. Look at verse 25. Show us who you've chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. And look at verse 26. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. So what happened in chapter 1? First thing happened, you got your notes. Jesus left. He told his disciples, 
what to do until he returned. What's the next thing you see? Peter took the lead and he started the process to replace Judas. Okay, there you go. We just covered chapter one. See, everybody, all of y'all probably want cliff notes all the time when you're going through your studies, but you can't always use cliff notes, but we're going to use them this morning. Okay, so let's keep going. Look at chapter two. What happened in chapter two? Well, look at verse one. Verse one in chapter two, it says this, um, that when they were, uh, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Look at verse two. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14 because we're going to skip through it. Look what it says. Then Peter stood up with the eleven. He raised his voice and addressed the crowd. See, they've come out of the room now. He's, look what he says. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Look at verse 15, 16. Look what it These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, here's what it says. In the last days, God will pour out his spirit, look what he says, on all people. Y'all hear what he's saying? He's telling them from the time the church started, God's not just going to pour his spirit out on us. Right now, he's just poured his spirit out on us. This is chapter 2. But that's not his intention. His intention is to go well beyond the apostles. Listen to this. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. And then look what he said in verse 18. Even on my servants, both men and women. You hear what he said? Both men and women. You hear what he said? Both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I didn't make up the doctrine. That's what it says. That's what it says. But look what he goes on. So he's laying out the groundwork. And then he introduces us to who Jesus has been talking to him about, but now it's evident because now he's met him. Look in verse 32 and 33. He introduces us to the Trinity because here's what he said in verse 32 and 33. He's preaching to everybody. He's saying, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we're all witnesses of it. And watch what he said in verse 33. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you see in here. Jesus is on the right hand of God. The Father promised the Spirit, and he's pouring out his Spirit, and that's what you guys are witnesses of. This is Peter's message. And look at what he said. Look at, let's bounce over to verse 36. He says, everybody's guilty, but God stands ready to forgive, and therefore you ought to repent. That's what he's saying. That's what he said. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be Lord and Messiah. That's what he said. Look at verse 37 for a second. He said, and when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And look at what the answer was. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
He's talking to everybody there. He's not, he's talking to everybody out there who's around. And, and last thing I want you to see, though, from chapter 2 is look at verse 42 because I want you to see something. Because when they, when they accepted the Holy Spirit and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and with water, look at what happened to them. They devoted themselves to, listen to this, to the apostles' teaching first. Everybody say the apostles' teaching. Remember I said that was the word. That means they devoted themselves to the word. To the Bible. That's, that, the apostles' teaching was the word. And to fellowship. You can't break them apart. See, when God's word is disseminated, it unifies people. When it is disseminated properly, it unifies people and there's fellowship. You don't have to force people to get along. People love each other. Because you realize that love is our pedigree. It is what distinguishes us from everybody else around us. And so to, they, they devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. That just simply means they looked after each other. They wanted to make certain that everybody's needs were met. And to prayer. So this church, by chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the word, to each other, to meeting each other's needs, and for prayer to show them how to do all of that. You ready? Because we got to keep moving. So, so the Holy Ghost came when the disciples were unified together. Peter started preaching. We, they, they, met the, they met the Trinity. They realized everybody was guilty and needed to be saved. And then the church devoted themselves to these things. Let's keep moving. Because in chapter 3, what do we see happening? Look at verse 3 in chapter 3. We see that Peter and John, they did what they had seen Jesus do for years. Well, what did they do in chapter 3, verses uh, 3 through 9? What did they do? Well, they were on their way to the temple, and they saw um, uh, a fellow that they'd seen many, many times, and he asked them for money. And look what they said in, in verse 4 and 5. They say, well, Peter looked at them, you know, and a lot of times people are hurting and they're in need, and they think they need this thing, but we know that they really need something else. But you know what they really need? They need to be seen. They need to be heard. And Peter stopped on his way to church. He was going to the temple. He stopped and he looked at it. And he told him, look at us. And when he did that, now, this is the first time that since Jesus left that we see that Peter and John did any miracles. We know that Jesus sent them out two by two to train them. And they were able to do some miracles, some other things they couldn't do. But after Jesus left, we, never, we hadn't seen them do anything else. But now, when this happened, we don't know why, but Peter felt something and he told that man to look at us and he said, I've seen Jesus do this a million times and if Jesus can do it, I can do it. He said, look at us. Look at verse, look at verse 5. And the man looked at him and he expected to get some money. Because a lot of times when people ask you for something, they're expecting what they're expecting, but God is looking for what they need. And look, that, that's what it says. Verse 4 said, the verse 5 said he was expecting to get something. But look at what Peter said. Silver and gold, we don't have it. But what we do have, we give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And the Bible says, that's what the Bible says, and they took him by the hand, helped him up, 
And the Bible says instantly his feet and his ankles became strong. And look what he says in verse 89. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. He went in the temple courts, walking, jumping, and what else was he doing? Because he knew. He knew what happened because Peter told him in the name of Jesus, Christ of Nazareth. So we see now that Peter's doing, the, they, they did what they had seen Jesus doing, got him in trouble. And Peter and John then used this miracle healing to call on all the Jews to repent. You'll see that in, in verses 16 and 20. And then Peter made it clear, in verse, go, bounce over to verse 25 and 26, and then we're going to keep moving. Because in verse 25, Peter, Peter said, as he's, and now he's got their, all of their attention. He said, you are heirs of the prophet. He's talking, about, he's talking to the Jews. And you are heirs of the covenant that God made with your fathers. Remember he said to Abraham, because that's what they all going around saying. Well, we be Abraham's seed. That's what they used to tell Jesus. Peter saying, yeah, we are Abraham's seed. And though your offspring, all, and through your offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. Listen to what he said. God's blessing really wasn't just about you. That's what he said. Through your offspring, everybody on earth is going to be blessed. And look at what he says in verse 26. And when God raised up his servant, he sent him first to bless you, but you have to turn each of you from your wicked ways. So the first order of business to be blessed is to turn from your wicked ways and to turn to Jesus Christ. That, that was the message that Peter had. Now, they didn't really like that message because if you go to verse chapter 4, you see that Peter and John got arrested for preaching Jesus in Jerusalem. They didn't like that message. And, and, and so they, they, they arrested Peter and John. And then in verse 7, Peter talks about this game changer. Let's read verse 7 for a, for a second. Because even though they, he's been arrested, look at what he tells them. Chapter 4, verse 7. Then Peter and John brought before them. Then they had Peter and John brought before him, them. And here's what they asked him. What power or by what name did you do this? They already knew the answer to that because the man had told them, but we're skipping through. They already knew that. They just want to see if Peter and John are going to repeat that. Look at verse 8. And then Peter, now Luke says here, he described Peter. He described them as Filled with the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times before we talk, we, we need to make certain that we are speaking on behalf of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we run off at the mouth and we say things to get ourselves in trouble. But we need to make certain that it is the Spirit speaking. Amen? Listen to what Peter said. Rulers and elders of the people. If we're being called to account today for an act of kindness that we showed to this man who was lame and being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and everybody else in Israel, that it is by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that it is this man who stands before you was healed. If that's what you're asking, then that's the answer. Look at verse 11, because here's what Peter said to them. This Jesus... The stone with you builders, the rulers and elders, you builders rejected, he has become the cornerstone. Now verse 12, 
Peter, this is the game changer. He said, I know your rulers, I know your elders, Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, you know, all of you, Herodians, all of you. But here's what you need to understand. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under the heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Is that what you're asking? That's what they want to know. Is that what you're asking today? And look what he says in, in, look what they say in verse 13. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and listen what they, and look how they look, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, but they were astonished because the only thing special about them was they took note that these men had been with Jesus. When we're speaking and when we're traveling and we're going about our business, people need to know that we've been with Jesus. And, 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 and so look at verse 18, and, and we, we, we got to hurry. We, we can skip some of it, but I need to show you this. Because look at verse 18, and they call them in again because they don't know what to do with them. And they're having conversations about what to do with these men. And they commanded that you don't speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Stop talking about it. Look at verse 19. And Peter and John both said, here, Peter had been talking, and they both said, well, well, you know, you can, whatever is right is in God's eyes, whether it's to listen to you or to him. You can be the judges of that, but I'll tell you what. In verse 20, what he said, but as for us, we can't help speaking about what we've seen and heard. We can only talk about what we know. Look at verse 21 and 22. And they kept threatening them because they couldn't decide how to punish them because all the people knew they were praising God because they knew what had happened. And in verse 22, you know what they end up doing? They end up saying, they say, because they say this man has been healed and we know that we've seen him, we've walked past him for 40 years. So we can't argue about what happened. So we just want them out of here. And we want them to stop preaching about Jesus. And the end of chapter 4, we see this. Look at verse 31, because I want you to see something. We, and we're going to introduce you to somebody that's going to come back in about 15, 20 minutes. And they prayed, and the place was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke the word of God boldly. Verse 32. And all the believers were one heart, one mind. Nobody claimed that any of their possessions was their own. And they all shared everything they had. Look at verse um, uh, 33. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Listen, listen, keep listening. That there were no needy peoples among them. They took care of each other. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales. And they put it at the apostles' feet and it was, it was distributed to anyone who had need. But listen to this. Now, Luke mentioned a fellow. He said that a lot of people did that. But Luke mentions a, a, a special fellow. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement. He sold a field he owned and brought it and put the money at the apostles' feet. Listen, we know he was an apostle. He was not an apostle. 
But he was an encouraging fellow. And, and Luke points him out. And so that's the way chapter 4 ends. But then chapter 5 starts there because when some people saw what Barnabas did, they got jealous. You guys know the story. Ananias and Sapphira, they saw that Barnabas had sold this property. So they went and sold the property, lied about how much they made from it, and lied about how much, what percentage of it they gave. You know the story. And they lied to the Holy Ghost. And the scripture says it didn't go well. What, what would, you know, that's a whole nother day, but what would happen if God started doing that thing again every time somebody come up in here and lie? But Douglas, what, 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 what you think would happen? You think this place would be full or you think it would be empty? <laughs> well, <laughs> we have to see. <laughs> we, 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 I, I, I don't know either, but that's what he did. And, 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 and God wanted the people to know that following him was serious. And at the end of chapter 5, Peter and John were threatened with death by the Sanhedrin, but instead they, they let them go. And the believers celebrated for being treated like Jesus. Now, chapter 6. And with this, I'm only going to read one of the verses, one or two of the verses, and I'm just going to read our notes. Because we would, go, we would get sidetracked in here. So listen to what happened in chapter 6. Um, um, Brother Jace, put, put me on um, uh, uh, verse 1 and we'll do verse 1 and verse 2. Because, but I'm going to read the notes though. Because the majority group, which were the Hebrews, they committed overt racial discrimination against the minority group, which was the Greeks. Now, I say overt because... Um, it, listen, by then it was the church's responsibility to take care of the widows and the orphans. So if the claim was not that widow or that widow, but the claim was all the Greek widows were being discriminated against, that was not an oversight. I may make a mistake and not bring you some food, but I'm not going to make a mistake and not bring everybody to look like you some food. That was overt. And when they stood up and said, "This is look, look what they said. In those days, the disciples were increasing, but the churches were growing and people were coming and going. And the, the Hellenistic Jews, the Greek Jews, they among them, they complained against the Hebrew Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. They weren't they were just being able to look and look, look at what happened because this is what I want you to see. The 12 gathered everybody together. They didn't put a committee over here and say, you guys go handle it. The scriptures say they gathered all the disciples together. And I want you to make sure you don't say, he didn't say all the apostles. The 12 were the apostles. They, the, the, all the apostles and all the believers gathered together. So you know what he said? Everything stopped. This was not a side issue. Everything stopped until we can get this worked out. And they say, look what they said. It wouldn't be right for us. That's what I was talking about earlier. Everything in the church can't be done by the man in the pulpit. 
It wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word. That's why I spent 15 minutes telling you they were the word for everybody. When you had a Bible study in that house, Peter had to go over there and John had to go over here and Matthew had to go over here and Bartholomew had to go over here. They had to be the word. And the church is growing now with thousands of believers. And they say, we can't neglect the ministry of the word to wait to serve food. But look what they said. So, brothers and sisters, you do it. Choose from yourself. You do it. But get it done. And what we see is the whole church came together to acknowledge and fix the problem. The whole church selected seven men. All seven men had Greek names. They didn't select any Hebrews to fix this problem. They trusted the Greeks and they gave them the authority to fix the problem in this ministry. That's what they did. And look what he says. But they have to be. They must be. They must be known to be men full of the spirit, full of wisdom. And you, you bring them to us, we'll turn this responsibility over to them. And that's when we are introduced. Look at verse 4 and 5 because here's where you're introduced to. And we're going to give out you and we're going to give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Look at verse 5. It says that pleased the whole group. Nobody was there saying, no, that's not really a problem. That's not really intentional. They didn't spend time with that. Because you know what? That's all a distraction. Everybody knew it was a problem. Everybody knew it was a problem. It's a distraction and it's a waste of time. And we have been wasting hundreds of years saying and claiming that problems don't exist when we know they do. The reason that the early church was so powerful is that they didn't waste time on distraction. Listen to this. And all of those men, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism, and they presented all of these men, and these are the people they put together. The, listen, let, let me look at your notes, because that's where we're introduced to Stephen and Philip. Well-respected, full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom, full of the Spirit. And let me show you, you know, look at verse 7, because I want you to see this, and we got to move. Verse 7 says, and the word of God spread. But let me say it the way he wrote it. So the word of God spread. That means because of what they did, the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests, even priests, became obedient to the faith. I mean, even to the point where, so we know, we know that this works. But now look, I mean, in verse 7, I'm, I'm going to read from your notes because verse 7 was a long, um, powerful sermon that Stephen gave. Now, what is it that you know about Stephen and Philip so far? They were appointed. They, we know they're full of Holy Ghost, full of spirit, full of wisdom, well-respected. But their job was to serve food. Everybody say serve food. We're going to come back to that. Stephen gave a powerful message. 
in chapter 7, but it cost him his life. So here's what we know. Three things we know about Stephen. He served food to the overlooked Greek widows. He preached the gospel that led to his death at the hands of the Sanhedrin. And you know what else we know about Stephen? He got a standing ovation from Jesus on his way into the kingdom. Let, let's see verse chapter 7, verse 56. Look at this. It says he got a standing ovation from, from Jesus. And, and, and I, I, I studied this and, I, and I, I researched it, chapter 7, verse 56. And every time I read about it, even when, when Peter preached it earlier, he said Jesus was sitting on the right hand of the Father. I always see him sitting on the right hand of the Father. As far as I can tell, this is the only time that I see Jesus standing on the right hand of God. That's what the scripture says. Stephen say, I see him standing. So while they were stoning Stephen, the scripture says that Jesus was sitting on the right hand of the Father, but Stephen saw him standing. That's what we know about Stephen. He wasn't an apostle. He served food. All that leads us to where we started. I tell you, I only want to spend about 15 minutes on where we are today because where we in chapter 8. Let's take a look at that. Let's read chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. And, and I want to spend a little bit of time on, because it starts off with saying, and Saul approved their killing of him. That's why I couldn't start there, because you know who him, you got to know who him is. He approved of killing Stephen. And now you know why he killed Stephen. But look what it says. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles. Everybody say except the apostles. All except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. But then his verse 4 again. Here's that word again. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, all, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks and impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So I just want to talk about that scattering that just went on. Because now you can better understand it because you're, you have a bullet that says we're going to look at the five W's. Who, what, where, when, and why. And now you understand that the who, who was scattered. Well, if you say the church, all the church, you would be partially correct. But the scripture actually says on verse 1, it says the church, the people that were scattered were everybody except the apostles. That's important. Because the apostles did not leave Jerusalem. It was, the, it was the people who were scattered from their comfort zone. So now we, when we talk about this scattering, we have to understand when we use the word scattering, we're talking about leaving the comfort of the known for the uncertainty of the unknown. 
the what. The what is the scattering. And, 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 and look at the where. Look at where they were scattered. I want you to see it right there. We, they were scattered. They went from Jerusalem. But where were they scattered to? Judea and Samaria. Don't that look familiar? Isn't that exactly where we started this morning? Do you remember this is uh, Acts 8.1? But do you remember Acts 1 and 8? Do you remember what Jesus told them? Jesus said that when you receive the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he said, when you receive him, he said, you'll be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem, then in Judea, in Samaria. So you ought to start asking already, was this scattering unexpected or was it expected? Maybe this was always the plan. Maybe that's the problem. He knows human nature. He knows that when we get comfortable, we won't go anywhere. Many of us, many of us, we have been where we are too long. And we're there because we're comfortable. We're not growing. We're just existing. We're coming and we're going. And we wonder why God isn't using us effectively. There, I'm talking about the necessity of scattering. We should think of scattering as a migration. It is necessary. And God is doing it right now. He's doing it right here. We got to keep going because, look, look, look at when this happened. This happened on, I mean, in verse 1, you see it again, Acts chapter 8, verse 1. We say on that day. Well, what was happening on that day? It was great persecution. What kind of, they had a public murder of Stephen. Publicly, they publicly murdered him. The, the, the Sanhedrin council ordered him dead. They stoned him. This wasn't done in secret. This wasn't a secret assassination. And we know who Stephen was. He was Philip's colleague. He was just a table waiter. He wasn't an apostle. Why did this happen? And in your notes, it's not a mistake. I said initially, because of the public persecution, I scratched it out and I said, that's 50% of it. Because the rest of the story, maybe the scattering was to accomplish God's purpose and his plan. The persecution was just a method to his madness. So what is it that we're talking about? The scattering was a necessary, it was a necessary migration. And let me tell you something. Our leaders and our believers, listen, folks, we have to have a kingdom mindset. And we have to combine that with a missionary mindset. See, when you're a missionary, you know that your trip, wherever you are, it could be short, it could be long, but you know it's temporary. And you know not to get too comfortable because that's not home. 
And too many of us, even though we quote the scripture that this place is not our home, but we've kicked off our shoes. We've made ourselves comfortable. We've put on our jogging pants and our flip-flops. And we're too comfortable with the way things are, even though we need to be concerned with God's comfort. He's not happy with the status quo that we've accepted. And he has been churning things up for a long time. And EBC, your eyes have been open, but that's why he sent me here today. Because he wants this thing to go deeper. I'm so thrilled, Pastor. I'm so, I can't tell you how thrilled I am to be here on the eve of your multi-ethnic series. Because there are some things that you're going to understand. And, and, and we'll get back to that in a second. But, but pastors, I mean our leaders and our believers, we've got to have a missionary mindset. We've got to uh, uh, both the uh, apostles and believers, their concerns were bigger than the Jerusalem church. Listen, it had to be bigger than the Jerusalem church. If they were only focused on the Jerusalem church, the church would have been dead when they scattered. But it was bigger than that because when it scattered, God was just starting. Otherwise, there would have been no hope for us. And your concern must be bigger than EBC. It has to be. You've got to have a kingdom mindset. And pastors and teachers, they should teach the scriptures, provide oversight, and get out of the way. The pastors should provide the cover and the direction and get out of the way and let people love each other. You shouldn't have to teach people to love each other. We are teaching in our churches, in our homes. We always talk about everybody else. But we've been teaching discrimination year after year after year. And God is tired of it. And he's opening doors. And as blacks, I know we say, but pastor, I know I hear you. And listen, I get this. You guys know my story and, and it's not easy. The migration is not easy. It is uncomfortable. And people tell me, well, it's, you know, I hear what you're doing. I say, that's so honorable. And I think they mean that as a compliment. But they don't realize that this is not just something that I'm supposed to do. This is what God has called us to do. So what if I'm, that, it's not about me. But pastor, I hear you, but I don't think I could. Subject my children to all of that. You should be in, in some of our conversations with our children. My kids told me the other day, Dad, I hear you, and I know. This is what they said. You know, my son TJ, he tries to be spiritual so he can, you know, he'll, he'll say, um, Dad, I, I, I hear you, and I know that, it's your, um, that this is your calling. I know it is because everywhere you go, you know, um, you have such an impact, and, you know, and people listen to you and all that. But I just don't know if this is my call, and I don't know if it's my mission. And then my, and then my daughter, who just graduated, the, the, the one who's so smart, you know, she told me, yeah, because, Dad, you, don't, you just don't realize what it is to be black around all these white people. 
And I'm thinking, Melanie can testify. That's what they told me. And I'm saying, I'm saying to myself, I said, you the smart one? I've been black for longer than all y'all been alive combined. What, what kind of conversation is that? But what they're really saying, I hear them. They saying that is hard when in all of the youth activities and all the meetings, we're the only black faces and we're supposed to explain, you know, everything black to everybody and we don't even understand half of it ourselves. I say, yeah, I get it. And I say, you know, and I apologize that this is where things are. But, you know, we're going to continue um, to do what God called us to do. And, 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 and you, while you're here, you know, we're going to continue to bring you up in the way that you should go, not the way that you have gone. Because you know what I'm saying to my family? You know what I'm saying to my wife? You know what I'm saying to my kids? You know what I'm saying to everybody around me? Is that this has to stop somewhere. And it starts with me. And if it causes you a little discomfort, you know what? Get over it. And get with the program because I'm going to do what Proverbs 22 told me. I'm going to train you up in the way that you should go so that when you're old, you won't depart from it. And that's what Philip did. That's what these people did. And what you see here is that I just need to tell you that as pastors, teach the scripture Trust the Holy Spirit to do what God sent him here to do. Persecution should not be the only trigger for migration because it could be racial unity. It could be unbalanced political influence. It could be a lot of this. But listen, the reason for the lack of racial harmony is because we fight with everything we got against the migration. We fight against the scattering. But I'm going to tell you something. And then I'm going to try to wrap this up. God will send the resources and the partners. But you got to listen to them. God will send the people that you need to do what he calls you to do, but you got to listen to them. Because we saw that God allows a disruption. In Acts chapter 8, it was persecution. And it caused the scattering. God allows the persecution. He allows the disruption just to get people to move because human nature is we don't move until we have to. And a lot of times when you stay somewhere too long, you lose your effectiveness. It becomes more about what you're doing or what you've done than what God is doing. Let me tell you something, pastors, all around, everybody who's listening to me. You need to be preparing your disciples to move on. I'm going to say it again. You prepare people to move on. What would have come of us? Listen to me. What would have come of us if that table server, Philip, wasn't prepared to go down to Samaria and preach the gospel? The apostles couldn't go with him. And you say, yeah, but I'm not ready. 
I asked you a minute ago, how long you been here in church? These people had been in that church in Jerusalem for a few months. And we've been where we are for years. So pastor, prepare them to move on. But the reality is that most pastors today are preparing their people to stay. They want them to come and stay because, and I know I can say this here because I know, I know this place, but a lot of places, they're worried more about building the next wing of the church than building the church. And then all the pastors get confused when there's no growth like we saw in the early church. They're willing to give their lives after a few months. We've been around for years. By Acts 8, Stephen and Philip both, they had been only believers for a few months, and Stephen's dead. We need to prepare our believers to expect a migration because if you teach people to pursue Christ, then don't be surprised if they leave. But if you teach them to just pursue EBC, then they'll stay around here forever. But they won't ever, they won't ever, they won't ever be a part of God getting all the glory that he wants to have. And I'm not telling everybody in here to hear this message and, okay, pastor, I'm telling you, I'm moving to here and there. Come on, listen to what I'm saying. I'm saying that if you expect Richard or Scott to move here, then shouldn't somebody be willing to move to somewhere that don't look like you? And I'm not just talking about going there, but I'm talking about going. The scripture didn't say that they just, the, the, the disciples just scattered. It said when they scattered, they did what? They preached the word everywhere they went. I'm talking about you go there, not to represent black folk, but you go there to represent Jesus Christ from who you are. And I know, and I know I got to stop, but I know, but I know, listen, I know that people leave for a lot of different reasons. I know this. And, and, and let me be clear. You know, two of the main reasons that I'm talking about, some people going to listen to this and say, I hear what you're saying, Pastor, but I don't like what you're saying, and I, I really don't like what God's done, doing here. Because the last thing that black folk had was we had our church, and, no, and, and nobody cared, and they let us do what we want to do. Well, that's why we are where we are in 2021, because nobody don't care about anybody else's stuff. Nobody's concerned about the kingdom. Everybody's just doing what they're doing. But that's not what you see in the scripture. That's not what you see with the gospel. They had a kingdom mindset, and they weren't concerned about going where the, most, the place where they were most comfortable. They were focused on going where they were most needed. God is going to send his word in the weeks to come. And then, there's, and then after you get all of this, and it may not be, there's going to come a time when the other reason people leave is that people are going to realize that God is sending them somewhere that needs them. That's what Scott and Richard did. That's what their family saw. And don't y'all be, don't y'all, people, don't y'all be to them 
who the people are to us when they look at us and say, man, that is so admirable that you're here. It's admirable that I'm here, but I'm one of five or six black families out of hundreds of people. If you really think this admirable, then maybe someone should go and share in other places so that we can get some migration going. But everybody's waiting on somebody else. But when there's persecution, you can't wait. Listen, I, I, last thing I'm going to tell you is this. I, 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 got, I, I, I have to say this as we get ready to leave because, listen, here's what you, I need to tell you what happened to Philip, and then I'm done. I think you guys get the point tonight, this morning, and I'm done. Whatever happened to Philip? Well, in Acts chapter 6, you saw him serving tables in Jerusalem. You saw that's how he came on the scene. In Acts chapter 8, you saw him preaching the gospel in an evil, wicked place, a city. I mean, Luke didn't even tell us where. He just said a city down in Samaria. But then I need to share this with you. And I know we got to start. But I need to share this with you. Could, could you give me just for a second Acts chapter 11? I need you to see what became of this fellow. I need you to see this. Look at Acts chapter 11 and verse 19. Just follow, just bear with me just for a minute. Like Acts chapter 11 verse 19. Because there's that word again, scattering. He said, now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed. We know who that is because we've gone through it. They traveled as far as to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. Initially, they were spreading the word only among the Jews. Let's keep going. Some of them, however, some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, they went to Antioch. And they began to speak to Greeks also, Telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 21. And the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people turned to the Lord. I need you to see something because I got to hurry up and close. Bounce over to Acts chapter 13 and verse 1. Because, no, here, here, no, let's keep going for a second. Keep going here. Uh, Verse 22. It says, in verse 20, Acts 22, it says, Acts chapter, 22, Acts chapter 11 and verse 22. Here's what it says. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem. I need you to see this. I know I'm not going to stop, but I need you to see this. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived, he saw that the grace of God, what the grace of God has done, he was glad and he encouraged them. And all remained true to the Lord with all their hearts. Keep going. And he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. We already know that. A great number of people were brought to the Lord. Look at verse 25. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Keep going. And when they found him, they brought him to Antioch. 
So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and told great numbers of people. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. I need you to understand this because those same disciples that were scattered in Acts chapter 8, they eventually started this church called Antioch. And that church was where Barnabas was a part of. That was the first multi-ethnic church that we have documented. And that church was had a missionary mindset and they had a kingdom mindset. And the first thing that they did in Acts chapter 13 was when they got together all different sorts of elders, the first thing that they did is they put their minds together and they said, we need to send Barnabas and Saul on these mission trips. All these letters, almost all of the New Testament we got was from the church at Antioch sending Paul and Barnabas outside of Jerusalem. That was not because of what the apostles did. It was because what the believers did. Barnabas, do you see this? Barnabas became an elder in Antioch. He was not an elder in Jerusalem. Stephen was dead. Philip, he was a table server. So you may ask, you may say today, well, pastor, I'm not an apostle. I spent 55 minutes teaching you that this is not about the apostles. You say, but I don't know if I can do that. Well, let me ask you a question. Can you wait a table? Can you wait a table? Because that's how it starts. Being full of wisdom, the Holy Ghost, well-respected. And having a missionary and a kingdom mindset. Man, I got to stop. But God is calling EBC to be a catalyst. A catalyst is a component that gets things started. Pastor, how long have I been telling you this? That's what you are. You didn't choose to be this. God called you to do it. You didn't choose to use you this way, Brother Charles. God called you to do it. And the question is, will you accept this as your legacy? You're going to look around and everybody's not going to be doing it. Most people aren't. That's why we're where we are. Most people aren't going to understand what you're doing. Some of the changes most people aren't going to understand. But you got to decide today whether you're pursuing Christ or whether you're pursuing something else. Are you prepared to move? Are you prepared to migrate? Are you prepared to scatter? Philip didn't think he was, but God does. So, tell somebody, like we said when we started, God knows what he's doing. Somebody say amen. Amen. Listen, um, we've been talking about the necessity of scattering. And I don't like to use hyperbole. I don't like to use big words, and I don't like to make things sound like they're more important than something else. But here's what I'll tell you. What God is doing here is of his own making. It's not some new wave fad. This is what God has wanted to do from the beginning. But we've stood in the way. 
So the question today is, are you ready to agree with God on your legacy? Are you ready on the eve of understanding how God wants to shape, mold, and remake your church, your congregation? Are you ready? The question is not whether God is ready. I think the scriptures are clear. The question is, is are you? Because I tried as best as I can to allow God to use me to share with you that this is not something that's going to happen in the pulpit. It will not. When you go back and finish reading all those notes I gave you, you'll see that Philip found himself down in Samaria. I mean, that Peter found himself in Samaria. He wasn't there because he wanted to be. He was there because Philip was there. So you can ask yourself, was Philip leading or was Peter leading? And the answer is, that's beside the point. We're all pursuing Christ. The issue should be if Christ is leading. And today, our challenge is to pursue Christ. This worldly church structure that we have is broken. God wants to break it further. He wants to abolish what we've set up. And he wants to build it the way that he spoke from his word. But Pastor Albert, why us? Please have that conversation with Christ and not me. I don't know. I don't think it's because you're so this or so that. I think it's because God is who he is. And you don't got to do it. You get to do it. Our world is screaming for leadership. Our world is screaming to be loved. And we are struggling to love one another. God is calling us to lead by loving. And that's our challenge, and that's our challenge to you today. Is are you willing to go all in on this study? To go all in and, and pursue Christ and understand. Let it be more than just turning some pages and answering some questions and having some shallow conversation. Let it cut deep. Let it cut to the point that you're willing to do something that you would not have been willing to do before. I can't tell you what that is because to you, it's going to look differently than it did to me. But what I can tell you is that if you'll pursue Christ, that once you start in that pursuit of him, your life will look nothing like it does today. 
I challenge today. And I want everybody to close their eyes. Just close your eyes and trust me for a second. If you're willing to go all in with the multi-ethnic pursuits, then I'm asking you to do more than just acknowledge it. I'm asking you to do something to put yourself out there. I'm asking you to stand to your feet so that we're going to open our eyes and we're going to look and people are going to take note that you're saying I'm in. But if you're not in, please don't do it just because I'm asking. Because that don't mean that you're doomed for destruction. It simply means that your brothers and your sisters know that they need to come after you and they need to pursue you and they need to love you. And that all of this doesn't have to come from the pulpit. That is a recipe for disaster. Because God is speaking to all of us, not just Pastor Adams. You need to be praying for him just like he's praying for you. So if you're willing to say, Pastor, I'm all in. I can't wait. I know I'm ready for this to stop with me and my family. I'm ready to see what God has for me. I don't know where it's leading. I might be this. I might be that. But I'm ready. If that's you today, come on, stand. Stand with me. Because I've made my decision. I've told you, stand with me. If Jesus Christ can get up off of his seat on the right hand of the Father, you can stand with your brothers today and say that I'm all in. I can't wait. It's too long. I'm not waiting for to be pursued by someone else. I'm going to do the pursuing. I'm going to open my heart to the Holy Spirit. Let's bow our heads right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you're in this place. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the peace that you give us that you give us in the time of so much confusion. And we thank you for your everlasting grace. We thank you for sending a savior and not a judge. And we thank you this morning that you've given us the opportunity to be a part of what you're doing, not just now, but what you've been doing since your Holy Spirit arrived. Thank you for opening our eyes and we can't wait for what you're going to reveal. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for each heart that is willing to stand today. I pray, Father, that this is not just another message. I pray that this series is not just another series, but I pray that you, that we allow you to break your hearts and mend it and mold it and reshape it. We need you, Father. We know that this can't be done apart from you. 
We pray today that as we study this series that we can rename the rest of our lives as the acts of the Holy Spirit through Alfonso. The acts of the Holy Spirit through Dole. The acts of the Holy Spirit through Sherry. The acts of the Holy Spirit through Kenneth. We hear you, Father. We love you. We appreciate you. And we submit to your Lordship. Have your way with us. Have your way with us. We bless your holy name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.